see all of you. Last week, we talked about having a psycho love, and I know that might have caught you off guard a little bit, but today we're talking about it's time for us to let the dogs out. And you know who, who, who is supposed to let the dogs out? We're supposed to let the dogs out. And so we've been learning about this idea that the Apostle Paul was telling us what God wanted from us. And the one thing that he really is just like focusing on in our life, and he says this in Philippians 1, he says that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment. That some of us kind of feel like we've come to the end of our love quotient. We've loved as much as we can based upon our family, based upon our experience, based upon our temperaments. Um, but the Apostle Paul is like, listen, you know, God wants us to abound more and more through the power of his Holy Spirit and through the example of his cross. He wants us to leap forward in love for one another. And so it really was important for me, and I know you guys know that I'm a slow learner and I tend to be a little bit of a skeptic when it comes to um, kind of Christian culture, that I, I needed to know what love was. I needed to redefine it because I really love my SUV, okay? It is an eight-cylinder, four-by-four, land cruiser. I mean, this thing is phenomenal. And I can, me and it, I can just be in the driveway, just standing there. Neighbors will see it, you know, going by. I'll be just standing there, just looking at it. It's like, yeah, I'm going to put a stinking two-and-a-half-inch lift, BF Goodrich KO2s on that. I'm going to put some Fox Float shocks on that thing. This thing is going to go everywhere. And so we can... We can fall in love with a lot of things, and I'm not saying all that's wrong, but when we start talking about abounding in love, the kind of love that God wants us to abound in, we need to get back to what our definition of love is from God's standpoint. And we kind of put this together. Love is the relational engagement that seeks the highest good in all things as directed by God. God wants to talk to me about what is a proper relationship with my car. What is a proper relationship with my neighbor's wife? What is a proper relationship with myself and with the people around us? And that God wants me to grow in love, and he defines what that highest good is of experience and love uh, in the world around us. So as we're continuing in our study of the book of Philippians, your ability to love or abound in love will be affected by how you identify yourself. And I, this is something that's kind of a deep-level think. But how you identify yourself will affect how far you can go in this whole abounding thing. Like how you see yourself or, or what do you draw strength from inside of you? What, what, what defines you? Or put it this way, how do you validate yourself? How do you have a right to be here? Other than the American Declaration uh, of Independence and the Constitution. But why do you have a right to stand? Why do you have a right to live? Why do you have a right? How do you validate yourself? And how you do, and the, the things that you use to validate yourself will determine the, uh, how far you're going to be able to, to love. So this is why the Apostle Paul goes into this big declaration in, uh, in Philippians chapter 3. He makes this statement, and the statement is going to be twofold. One's going to be, he's going to be talking about identification about how he identifies himself. And then the next one's going to be how identification and reveal to us how identification is so important because it will determine your quotient or your ability to love the highest good of God in 
somebody else. So here's what Paul says. We are the true circumcision who worship in the spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Although I might have uh, confidence even in the flesh, if anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more. Now, immediately, some of you may be thinking, well, this dude's cocky, okay? I, no, no what, what the Apostle Paul is just stating the facts about his life. And you have facts about your life. And there are some things that you are accomplished in. There are some things that you define yourself in. And the Apostle Paul is saying, he's going to lay it all out there. All the different ways that you can identify yourself. And then he's going to attach himself to something bigger. He says, if anyone has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more. Circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law, a Pharisee. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness, which is in the law, found blameless. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as lost for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in the view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. See, Paul is growing, and I know we're kind of seeing him a little bit more mature at this particular point. And he's kind of figured some things out that you and I are in the middle of. We're still trying to figure out our jobs. We're still trying to figure out who we are or what matters in our life. And the Apostle Paul, he's got some prison time going. He's, he's, he's kind of like able to lay out all the things and the aspects of his life. And he kind of brings them all together and to identify what distinguishes me. What makes me me? What are the things that set me apart? What are the things that validate me as an individual? And as Paul was looking at all these these distinctions, he realized that all of them were insignificant and insufficient and could not define who he was and also had the power to put a leash on his ability to love other people. So let's look at a couple of them. First of all, he talks about physical circumcision. Uh, that was a big thing there. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I, you know, being circumcised the eighth day, I'm not sure that... I, I'm putting a lot of, lot of weight in my self-image on, on that, but it was a cultural thing for them, and it was an identifier, just like so many other identifiers, like that little argyle sweater you got on with the little alligator, or maybe you have Ralph Lauren, or your Lexus logo, or whatever that you may have. This Paul's looking at everything. He's like, from birth, I was circumcised. I was identified as a descendant of Father Abraham. And Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham, and I am one of them. And so he was distinguishing himself like, I'm a part of that group. And I was like, dude. So, I mean, you know, some people were buying their way in, but Paul was like born of it, of the nation of Israel, which was an identifier as once the only people of God. They were the chosen. They were the... They, they were Yahweh's people, and, and uh, he was their God. And so to identify himself that way, he went on to say, I am of the tribe of Benjamin. I think this one's kind of cool because um, the tribe of Benjamin is actually a small tribe. It's actually the smallest of tribes. And so, uh, you know, it's funny how we can kind of 
make something out of something if it's not something to anybody else, but it's something to us. I, I don't know. I do it all the time. You know, I'll make something out of something. It's like, I'm really good at this. Nobody else gives a flip what I'm good at. Nobody gives a flip that I'm good at that. But they're just kind of like, but so the Apostle Paul, yeah, he's like, I'm with the tribe of Benjamin. And it's like, well, what's so big about the tribe of Benjamin? It's the smallest one. Well, in Hebrew, Jacob, when he named Benjamin, it means son of my right hand. I mean, can you imagine going around with that logo on your teacher, on your sweater? Son of his right hand. I mean, that's like, I'm not just one of the 12. I am the son of his right hand. But, but even more so than that, Benjamin was known to be the warriors of Israel. So much so that logo that they became associated with was the wolf. They were part of the wolf pack. I mean, who wouldn't want to be a part of that? I mean, I, I'm, a, I, I'm into video games. I'm not real good at them. But there's one game that kind of like, I get kind of like wolf pack feel. It's the game Halo, you know? And when you, if you, how many of you have played Halo before? Please let me know that I'm not the only person that's played. Okay. Yeah, it's okay. You can be a Christian and play Halo. Just want to let you know. Um, but Master Chief 117, John. Yeah, I mean, he's the wolf, man. I mean, he is it, it's like being the equivalent of being the Navy SEAL in Israel, Paul is like, yeah, I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. We were the ones that had the first king in Israel. Then he said, I'm also, by the way, got to let you know, I'm a Pharisee. Now, the Pharisees were a sect of well-educated leaders with a sense of superiority over others. Now, I know you've, you went to the College of Charleston. Some of you went to the Citadel. Some of you went to uh, uh, University of South Carolina or, or even Clemson. But... When somebody walks in the room and they went to Oxford at Cambridge, you know, or they went to MIT or Harvard or something like that, all of a sudden it's like, whoa, okay. And I, let me just say, I am from the Northeast. People in the Northeast are not smarter. Matter of fact, most of the people that go to, the, go to Harvard are not from Boston, okay? So, so I just want to let you know, and, and, and they mess up their lives just like everybody else. But Paul is like, listen, but you guys are big into names. You guys are big into titles. You guys are big into bumper stickers. You guys are big into logos. Well, I got a logo. I'm a Pharisee. I am of the, the group of ascetics that we're rule followers. We are subjecting ourselves to severe self-discipline, and, and we abstain from the pleasures of the world because we are set above. And the Apostle Paul was, was like, you know, I could claim that as my self-distinction. And then he went even further. And, you know, here's the interesting thing, is this is why the Pharisees had a problem with Jesus. It's because they see Jesus ruining this, this Pharisee distinction. I'll talk a little bit more about that. But then he goes on, he said, concerning law, the law, I am blameless. Ethically, I am spot on. I do everything that I'm told to do and concerning the law, I'm, blame, I'm blameless. And the Apostle Paul is throwing this out there because he wants you to hear the next part, that none of that is what distinguishes him. He realizes that all these distinctions don't save him. He realizes that they, they cannot define him. He realizes that any distinction other than Jesus will separate him from knowing the full love of God and from seeing other people with the love of God. It was really big. 
It's not that Paul stops being educated at this point. It's not that he stops being an indigenous, lawful Jewish male. He just sees himself being saved and loved by God as greater than that. He's not eliminating distinctions. He's just highlighting a greater distinction that's offered to every one of us who are not circumcised on the eighth day or born of the tribe of Israel or, you know, of uh, the tribe of Benjamin. Or He's like offering us a greater distinction. Paul realizes that living in those distinctions can separate you from the power of abounding love. See, all those definitions have a, the ability and distinctions have the ability to tether you, to put you on a leash. Um, when I thought about that, it made me think about dogs in the backyard. Now, I'm not making a political statement about whether or not you should tether a dog in your backyard. Uh, I know that there's a lot of opinions about whether or not it's cruel or not. So let's just do that. I got a couple dogs up there tethered. They're all very happy. Okay, they are all loved. At, they want to be out there. And they, uh, when the day's over, they run inside and they sleep, they sleep on the couch and, you know, watch reruns of Seinfeld. So, I mean, so those, these are happy dogs. But when I thought about all these distinctions that we have, um, each of these dogs has a limit to how far they're going to go. And it's determined by their tethering. And their circle of travel is limited and related to their tethering, where the anchor has been placed in the ground. It, it, it looks very much like this. If you don't have a dog, it, 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 it's like this. It's this. The stake has been put in the ground, and then there's a length of, of leash or tether that determines from this point on what kind of life that that dog is going to experience. And the dog runs in a circle and, and all that, and it's... Uh, and so what the Apostle Paul is saying is that the more I identify myself with these distinctions, the more I can't move outside my tether, meaning that I can't go everywhere because I am defining myself based upon these distinctions. And he realizes that some of these distinctions that we rely on um, to validate us actually limit us. Let's look at some of the ones that Paul discovered. He talked about being a Hebrew. Well, how does that affect him loving and abounding in love? Well, it limits his food types. That means there's some cookouts he's not going to, okay? Um, it, it will affect the tables that he sits at. It will determine whose house he will go into. Um, and it will even determine who are the people he can physically touch, whether or not that person is clean or unclean. So it, it, if he identifies himself as a Hebrew, it has already tethered him from his level of how far he can bring his love into the world around him. Well, how about being a, a Benjamite? And I'm not sure that's exactly the right word, but it sounded cool. How about being a Benjamite? Well, it was kind of like, well, we're the best. Sure, there's others, but we're the best. And that becomes a bias by which you look at all other people. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. And don't tell me for a second you don't realize that we are doing this in America right now. I mean, we, we, we operate in bias all the time. We, we, we find out who we're a part of and we work in those circles and we do it, and anybody outside our circle, just watch the electoral process over the next six months. 
if you won't see a bunch of mad dogs tethered. Um, and, and so Paul's like, you know, if I just stay in my Benjamite mind, if I just focus on being the wolf, if that's what it's all about, about being this warrior, about being, you know, defining myself this way and being separate, I will be limited on who I can love. Being a Pharisee. It's like, well, you're definitely not going to let that one go, are you? It's like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and not, that's not going to be the one I'm going dis- to have as my distinctive. Why? Because Pharisees don't mingle with sinful people. This is back to that statement I said. In Matthew 9, 11, Jesus talks about, and the Pharisees are complaining. It's like, well, you know, if you were really a man of God, you wouldn't be eating with, drink, with, with whores and drunkards and sinners. And, and, and so they're all, they're, they're like, wow, you can't do what you're doing. You can't be a man of God and do those kinds of things. And I think the reason why they are so angry at Jesus, not because they wanted to eat with those people, not because they were jealous that they didn't get invited, is that as Jesus moved with knowledge of the law, knowledge of God, the holiness of God, the power of the Holy Spirit moving through his life, as he began to move around, I, began, I think they began to realize their distinctiveness was losing its value. It's like, if he does this, then what benefit is there in being a Pharisee? So they get really nervous because they have banked their whole lives on being Pharisees. How about Paul being blameless? He could have done that. But how many of you want to hang out with a blameless person? You know, how many of you are like, hey, we're going over uh, um, uh, Brian and Brandy's house this weekend. They're so much better than us. I can't wait to be around them they are so much, he's so holy, and, and she's like, ah, you know, and, and it's like, I just want to be around. They make me feel so bad about myself when I'm with them because they're so blameless. The apostle Paul could have said, listen, I'm more ethically better than you all. You know, his, his ethics were squeaky clean. But he's like, you know what? That's not going to be my distinctive. He's like, because the moment I make that my distinctive, then I'm not mingling with people. I'm not abounding in love the way that Jesus abounded in love. Listen how Paul lets the dog off the leash. In 1 Corinthians, he says this, even though I am a free man with no master, (laughs) that means it's like, I am not leashed to any of this. The only thing I am leashed to is God and his love. And when you're leashed to God, what's the limit of your circle? Eternity. It's eternal love, eternal life. There is no limit to it. That's why Jesus tells the disciples, once they get these, once I'm risen from the dead, once you got this figured out, I died for the sins of the world, I'm going to send you into the world, outside of your circle of distinctiveness. I'm going to send you outside because now, with the eternal love of God, you are limitless. You're still Jewish, but you're limitless. It doesn't have to be the sole definition of who you are. And Paul says, even though I'm a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. So when I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Jesus. When I was with those who followed the Jewish law, I too lived under the law, even though I am not subject to the law, I did this so I could 
bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I am with the Gentiles, who do not follow the Jewish law, I too lived apart from the law so that I could bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God, I obey the law of Christ. I mean, this is incredible. It's like I'm meeting with a bunch of Jewish buddies and trying to lead them to the Lord. Uh, I'm not going to eat a ham sandwich. He's in Ephesus, and they're serving kalbasas. And, you know, and they're putting it out there on the big roll, you know, a little bit of sauerkraut and all that. And he's like, uh, they're like, Paul, you want one of these? He's like, yeah, give me one of those. He's like, no, he's like, I am not going to allow the limitation of my definition to be that I'm Jewish. Though he is Jewish, he's not erasing distinctions. He's not pretending there aren't distinctions. He's just surpassing the distinctions based upon a distinction of being in Christ. He says, yes, I tried to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and to share in its blessings. What's he doing? He's letting the dog off the leash. He's unleashing to abound in love. It's incredible. You will never extend to your full reach of love until you are tethered to the love of God. Until the love of God defines who you are, you will always remain tethered to something less, something with a limited reach. You know, you'll, and we use all kinds of things to tether ourselves to. But Paul tethered himself to the grace of God that reaches to eternity and to the ends of the earth. Paul said this, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. That's the logo I'm wearing on my shirt. Like, I, that's, that's what I'm, I'm wearing. Is I, I'm wearing Christ everywhere. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs, according to the promise of God. See, he is like the distinctive of Christ surpasses all other distinctions. Now we got to stop for a second and put our brakes on. Because reading this passage of Scripture in this culture can go sideways real fast. You can decontextualize and pull that out. Um, I have to say this because there has been so many drastic errors made with this little short passage of Scripture. Paul is not saying that all distinctions are evil. And he's also not saying that all distinctions have disappeared. After making this statement, the Apostle Paul makes 25 distinctions in instructions to husbands, as husbands, as men, and wives, to wives, as women, as female. Some people have used this like, okay, see, all distinctions off the table now. We can define ourselves any way that we want to be defined. No, he's, he's not saying that. He's saying we define ourselves based upon the love of God, but he continues. He writes further on to his brothers in Christ. 
He writes to them as a fellow Jew. He says it. He writes to the Ephesians, and, and he says, I am the apostle to the Gentiles. He makes a distinction between them. He refers to women as women and men as men. So what is Paul saying? He's saying that our faith in Jesus is the distinctive that defines our hope and our identity before God. And that's what you need to be anchored to. See, that's what's, it's not, I don't want to say sick. It's not sick. It's what's so brokenhearted that we're trying to find distinction in so many weird things in America. Maybe if I change my gender, I'll find distinction. Sex can only do so much for you. Well, maybe if, I, if I'm a right-wing Christian nationalist, I'll find distinction. Maybe if I'm a left-wing wokeist, I'll find distinction. Maybe, you know, we'll, we'll, try to, we'll try to do all these things to establish a distinction. And Paul is like, listen, no, what I'm trying to tell you is there is one distinction that is greater than all distinctions, whether they're legitimate or illegitimate. It is Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again, and that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that those of us who are lost can be saved. That is the distinction above all distinctions. Is Paul still a Jew? Yes, he is. Is he still a man? Yes, he is. You just ask him. He knows he's a man. Is he still uh, a Pharisee? Yes, he is still a Pharisee. Is he still educated? Did he all of a sudden become stupid? You know? I, I, I hope I'm being clear, is that we all have distinctions here. And so, how do you validate yourself today? What is your calling card? What is your thing? You know, I mean, what, what is it that you kind of like, you put it out there? This is, this is, this is what I'm about. Is it your job title? Is that it? Um, is it your, um, your financial success? You're part of that bracket. You travel. I got a house here and I got a house there. I hate those people. <laughs> and I don't really hate them. I'm just jealous of them. Um, is it your neighborhood? Well, you know, we live in Sneed Farms or... Or, uh, is that still a thing? Is there a, uh, yeah. Oh, no, it's through Daniel Island. We can all make fun of them. So I, I, God, I love the people over there. Um, but seriously, sometimes we'll tether. Well, you know, we live in Daniel Island. It's like, cool. I mean, that's cool. But is that your distinctive? How about your physicality? Yeah, I know. Physicality is not a real word. It is on the NFL Network. Okay, it is on ESPN. He's got great physicality. He's a great linebacker. Real physicality. But for some of us, you know, your uh, 5K time, your ability to run, is, that's your distinctive. Your ability to play sports is your distinctive. I mean, that's, I, I, was, I was okay, but it became my distinctive. It, was, it became what I was about. Um, but I'm telling you, you lose it. I'm in the middle of losing it. I mean, I'm at the age where you lose it. And you lose it, like, I'm losing it in my ankles, I'm losing it in my knees, I'm losing it in my neck. I got three ruptured vertebrae, I mean, uh, discs. I mean, it's like my hands shake, and, and it's like I got this amazing mountain bike. I mean, it's amazing. Carbon fiber, specialized, epic, Fox float shocks, uh, 100-millimeter travel in the front, Sid, I mean, tubeless tires. This thing can fly, and I love it, and I can fly on them. No. I used to be able to fly on a mountain bike. 
Seriously, I could, I could, but it's gone. It's gone. It's just hanging in my garage. And every time I go past it, a tear appears in the corner of my eye and makes it way down. But God is showing me as these things are being removed, it's like distinctives begin to disappear. Beauty. You know, I know you're, you're, you're 30 and hot, okay? I mean, I, and then it's like, I'm telling you, it's going away. And if that's your distinctive, all it takes is another woman to walk in the room and all the guy's heads will turn. All it takes is another dude to take his shirt off the beach and you're running to Planet Fitness to try to loosen, get some abs, you know? All these distinctives that we try to define ourselves on. And remember, what the world is validating today may be despised tomorrow. I have a lot of doctor friends, and, and I saw this happen, and I'm talking about a profession I really don't know anything about, but that's what I do for a living. And so, um, that's, so uh, in the world of doctory, you know, and I remember when, when a long time ago that when the doctor with a white coat would come in, you know, they'd have that white coat, that little thing sticking up, stethoscope thing, and then there's something sticking in your ear, and, and then another thing, we won't talk about that. But they would come into the room, and they'd have a white coat, and it has an embroidered name right here, and it says Dr. Kildale, you know, and he, and he walks into the room, and it's got this beautiful, but then something happened about 10 years ago. You know, when these men and women work hard for the white coat ceremony, and that's where you would get your white coat, and you would be a doctor, and it represented your doctorhood and your training, your intellect, your, your care for humans. But then some got invented about 10 years ago. It's called PAs, physician assistants. Okay, now, they're not quite doctors, but don't tell a PA that. Uh, if you go to the doctor today in the United States, you're probably going to see a PA. And they're brilliant, they're smart, and all that. Well, I remember when they started giving PAs white coats. And the doctors were out of their mind. Now, I can have fun with that because I'm not a doctor, and I never went to 16 years of college or anything like that, and I'm not smart enough to do that. But it, all of a sudden, what this distinctive, which they had every right to feel a distinction in that white jacket, it made me feel good that they had a white jacket on. All of a sudden, it evaporated. Everybody in America gets a white jacket. So here's the thing. is In a world where distinctions constantly change definition, you've got to make sure you're not putting your distinction in one that won't matter. I mean, everybody today loves a veteran. You know, we have football games, and everybody dresses like, like you know, in khaki, you know, and... Um, everybody's like, thank you for your service, thank you for your service, and I mean, I'm a veteran, I love it, it's kind of like, cool, man, they think I'm a hero, you know, I was just working a computer up in D.C., you know, but it's kind of like, it's really cool, but I remember the day back in 1974 when veterans started coming home from Vietnam, and they were being spit on by Americans being called baby killers. It wasn't cool to be a veteran back then. Now it's cool to be a veteran. My point is this, is that what you may be taking this and driving it into the ground, this, I'm going to plant my, my tethering here. 
Just know that this may get uprooted. You know, man, being a white male in America, we had a good run. Man, it was awesome. Man, being a baby boomer, we put somebody on the moon. Well, I mean, come on. And now, you know, you know how many people will not listen to me because I'm white and because I'm male and because I'm 65 years of age? We'll just, won't even click on it. It's like, wow, before people, it was, and and I'm not saying (laughs) I'm suffering by any means. And I haven't, and I'm not saying we didn't cause suffering by any means. But just know this, whatever you're hanging your hat on, be careful, because they may take down that wall, and it may mean nothing. And the Apostle Paul said, listen, in a changing world, I need to make sure I'm tethered to the right thing. But as soon as I'm tethered to that right thing, then I can begin to be around people. I mean, because then people want to interact with you. People... um, uh, People want to converse with you. And the Apostle Paul was, you know, able to move in all these spaces. You know, I go to a party, and the problem with me going to a party is that, you know, people say, so, so what do you do? And I try to hide it. Man, I borderline lie. They'll say, what do you do? I'll be, I'm, I'm a teacher. Oh, really, what do you teach? Um, philosophy, a little bit of anthropology, a little bit of cosmology, and a little bit of theology. Oh, really? Where do you do that at? All right, I'm a pastor. <laughs> I mean, it's like, okay, you got me. And what, you know what that means? It means they're not going to offer me a drink, and I'm not going to get a hit off that bong. It means it's like the whole party is over for me. And then I got people cornering me, talking to me about, you know, how bad they feel about themselves, and it's like the party's over. It's, um, my, my, what is my point? My, my, <laughs> my point is this. Be careful what you are using as your distinction because it doesn't have to be good either. Some of you are distinguishing yourself based upon your victimization. Some of you are tethered to social injustice. And that's all you can see. That's as far as you can go is social injustice. Some of you are tethered to your past mistakes that you can't move beyond. Some of you are tethered to the word divorce. And you're tethered to that. You don't think you'll ever be happy, never have love again in your life. Some of you are tethered to being single. You feel like, well, I can't really live life because I'm single. Everybody's supposed to be married. You can be tethered to your family history. You can be tethered to not having a family history. So the question today is, are you allowing something good or bad to limit your reach? I mean, because whatever your distinction is, however you are putting out what you are, you got to ask yourself, is it limiting my ability to abound in love to people? You know, is it, do you find if you are a doctor, if you are, if you are a, a physician, we all, let me just tell you, speaking for the non-physicians of the world, which is about 99.9% of us, that as soon as we find out you're a doctor, the rest of us feel stupid. I mean, I have to admit. Or at least I think you know what's wrong with me. And 
whenever I'm around the doctor, I'm kind of like, ooh, <laughs> you better up your game, you know, use polysyllabic words. Begin to kind of like throw it out there that you're, you're a bull too, you know, that you're, you, you, you're, you're smart too. And it's like, so, so, me lay it, so if you're a doctor and you're accomplished, just know this, your accomplishments, as great as they are, and we're glad you're a doctor, make sure they don't inhibit you to, from speaking to those who are broken. If you're beautiful, don't let that become, don't let Lululemon become the extent of the reach of your social circle. If you're wealthy, don't allow the golf club to become the reach of your love. If you're black, don't let your blackness become the limit of your reach. If you're old, screw them. They're, <laughs> they're telling you you're too old. Don't you dare let them limit the reach of your love. If you're a woman, should I say it again? Screw them. Don't let anybody reach, uh, limit the reach of your love. If you're young, you guys are going to change the world. I am so proud of this, this church. We have amazing youth, you know? And I challenge any one of you that says, America is going to hell in a handbasket. Well, I've looked inside the handbasket, and it looks pretty good to me, you know? Don't limit anybody. And don't limit yourself. So what is your distinctive? And I know I ramble sometimes, and we edit most of this out of the final product that goes on the web. <laughs> I mean, the sermon's like only like 15 minutes long because so much gets edited out. So what is your distinctive? You may be sitting here today, and your distinctive is, I'm not a bad person. Well, I'm going to say to you, good luck with that, because nobody believes you. Nobody believes you. Um, it's like, well, I'm not a bad person. No. Well, let me ask you this. Have you ever sized up a human being and judged them? I don't like him. I think he thinks he's cocky. I think he thinks he's better than him. If, if you ever judge somebody internally without knowing that other person internally, you're probably not a good person. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. All of our righteousness is like filthy rags. We are all like sheep, and we have gone astray. God is not trying to compliment us. If your distinction is, well, as long as I obey the rules, let me tell you, it's not happening. You're not going to be able to obey the rules. Matter of fact, you just violated one by just saying that. You may be saying, well, my distinctive is I'm white, I'm black, I'm straight, I'm gay, I'm conservative, I'm liberal, I'm Baptist, I'm Catholic, I'm a Republican, I'm a Democrat. The list goes on of things that, and I'll tell you what, the more of these you add, the more limited you become in your reach. Here's the bad news. If you don't have faith in Jesus, I'll tell you what you are. You're lost. You're just plain lost. You may be dressed up, good-looking lost. You may be well-employed and driving a nice car lost. But your distinctive, according to the Scripture, is without Jesus Christ, without the power of the Spirit of God living in you and quickening your life as he rose Jesus from the dead, you are a lost sheep. You're like, wow, how rude. I expect more dignity to be given to me. Yeah, you got your distinctive. But God's not giving it to you. You're working hard for it. 
but I can't tell you. The funny thing is, is we're cheating ourselves. The distinctive that you think you're giving yourself is way shorter. I mean, so you're the CEO. Great. Awesome. So you're, you got the most money. Great. You got a faster car. You got a better four by four. That's great. Well, what God's offering you is that you can become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You could be seated in the heavenlies with Christ. You are an heir of Christ, a child of God, a prince with God. Does your leash go that far? I don't think so. Even if you're a veteran, your leash doesn't go that far. That's what God's offering every single one of us. Here's the great news. God doesn't want you to be lost. And here's the truth. The reach of your love will be determined by the length of your leash and what you're tethered to. If you tether yourself to God, then you tether yourself to God, then it's, it's pretty much, there's no limit. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But if you are tethering yourself to your achievements, to your self-righteousness, to your job, to your sexuality, if you think a girl becoming a man, a man becoming a girl is going to change the length of this leech, it ain't. You're just limiting yourself in a ver- to a very short leash. God wants to free us from that. At the end of the day, will I still be 65? Yeah, afraid so. Not really afraid so, but yeah. I'll still be white. I'll still be born in Boston, Massachusetts. I'll still be part Italian, part German, part Irish. But I will be far more than that in Christ Jesus. I am a son of the living God. So to the Irish, I will be Irish. To the Italian, I'll be Italian. To the southerner, bless your heart. (laughs) To the northerner, wicked awesome. Why? So that I may win some. Boundless love. We are going to communion. As we're going to communion, the reason why we do this is because if you're like me, I, I go throughout the week putting, I try to put this in bad places, you know? I try to, I fall for the old tricks of like, well, if you're a real man, if you're really successful, and I will try to define myself. And, and so people will ask, well, why do you do communion every Sunday? Because every Sunday I need to be reminded that the distinction of Christ is greater than all other distinctions. And that he died on the cross, not so that I could just be a white 65-year-old male, though I am that and will be that till my death. But he came so that I could be so much more than that, that I could be a child of the living God. And maybe you're like me, get caught under the pressure and you look at yourself in the mirror and you're like you know start saying I suck you know you go through your midlife crisis and like what have I done with my life and Jesus wants to remind you stop distinguishing yourself based upon that I have called you I have chosen you don't call unclean what I have made holy you are mine
So today, we invite you to come to the greatest distinction that will ever be offered humanity, a child of God. And God paid incredibly to get that dog off the leash. He gave his son for our sake, that we would become so much more than people who boast about our jobs, our physiques, our white jackets, our failures, our divorces, our victimizations, the color of our skin, our gender. We are so much more. Father, thank you for your love. And I thank you that through Jesus Christ, you have given us the kingdom. Your word says, will not he who freely gave his own son freely give us all things pertaining to glory and righteousness. God, today, you are offering us a better place, a better tether, a better anchor. You're offering us to be rooted and grounded in Christ Jesus, in the eternal, in the kingdom of God, in heaven, as your child. As we eat, we remember that Jesus bound himself to the cross, tethered himself to suffering so that we could be set free, allowed himself for three days to be tethered to death so that we could be untethered from death in eternal life. So, Father, today we remember the, the body and the blood our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and as we eat and drink we proclaim you are our distinction you are what sets us apart